Hey, I can't believe, can you believe December is Tuesday? I mean, it's just nuts that we're already rolling into uh, the Christmas season. This is actually the first Sunday of Advent, and we're rolling fast. Um, for those of you, I know many of you either receive my daily devotional that I write, either by email, or some of you track it on my Facebook page, God's Word for You Today, or on my personal Facebook page, or through our app, whatever. Uh, but if you haven't tracked with that, if you would like something for the Christmas season, beginning on Tuesday, uh, I'm going to be using my God's Word for You Today. I'm going to be doing the wonderful words of Christmas. And uh, every day through the month of December, I'm going to be looking at a different word surrounding the Christmas story and what that means to us. So if you are interested in that, if you'd like to receive it by email, uh, just out at the Welcome Center, just write on one of our prayer cards, devotional, give me your email address, or again, you can go through our app or you can go on the, my Facebook page or that, and we post it there every day as well. But just want to invite you to make this a very, very special Christmas. Throw that picture up on the screen for me. Isn't that the most beautiful baby you've ever seen? I ask you again, isn't that the most beautiful baby you've ever... Everybody say, yes, pastor, it is. Yes. Everybody says he looks just like his grandfather. I just, I think, I think that's true. That's our little Adrian. Um, some of you have, have been praying with us. Uh, Allison and Adrian, um, Adrian was delivered three weeks early. He was a preemie. Uh, Allison had developed some, some blood pressure and heart issues during the pregnancy, and uh, they took the baby early, and then Allison ended up having to have a pacemaker put in the Monday after she delivered. And just want to give you an update that both Allison and the baby are doing really well. Um, Adrian is growing like a weed. In fact, um, Allison called us on Friday. She went to the pediatrician and she let us know that Adrian had actually grown, had actually put on 11 ounces in five days. 11, that's almost a pound in five days. How many of you did that Thanksgiving day alone? You know, you did it, yeah. But, you know, I thought about that because uh, in relation to the message today, this isn't just about bragging about my beautiful grandson, though I don't mind doing that. But I thought about the fact that Adrian growing like that now, that's the natural thing. Babies are supposed to grow like that. That makes sense to you? It is the nature that living things grow. And so when living things aren't growing, you have to ask the question, so what's keeping them from growing? When babies aren't growing, you doctors look at it and say, well, what's going on to keep this baby from growing? Because they should be growing. Now, if you get that, it's the same is true when we think about our journey with God. The God's spirit lives in us. He's given us his word. It is the, it's the natural thing for us to grow in our faith. And so if we're not growing, if we're not becoming who we know God wants us to be, and if we're not really uh, seeing God work through our lives the way we know that he wants to work, the question we have to ask is, what's preventing that from happening? Well, that's what I want to talk about today. We've been in a series called Maximum Impact, and we've been looking at the story of the parable. Uh, a few weeks ago when we started this, we talked about the fact that Jesus tells this parable and he said, there's a farmer who goes out to sow his seeds. And we shared the fact that that's God who every day wants to sow seeds in our life. Every day, God is speaking to us. Every day, God's trying to get our attention. He's trying to show us who he is. He's trying to nudge us in particular directions. He's trying to warn us. He's trying to guide us. And, and he's trying to do things in us. And, and so we talked about the fact God is doing that. Are we really hearing it? The second 
second week, we talked about the fact that, you know, this is God is sowing the seed. There's an enemy who's trying to steal that seed. You know, Jesus said, you know, sometimes that seed falls on rocky soil and uh, it grows kind of quick, but man, the sun gets hot and when the heat's on, they crumble. And we talked about sometimes that's what happens to us. We, we get discouraged and we kind of give up on our journey with God or we, we just quit growing. Um, and then today, I want to talk about this last part of the parable where Jesus says, so what's choking it out? Well, let's look at it. If you want to take your sermon outline, track along. Matthew chapter 13. Jesus says, other seeds fell among thorns that grew up, and what did they do? They choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds, Jesus said, fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, even 100 times as much has been planted. Now, I want you to get this contrast. Jesus said, you know, there's some seed, man, that is growing and it's just multiplying, but there's some that it just gets choked out. Now, what's happening with that? Well, Jesus explains it a little later. He says, the seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly, the message, it gets crowded out uh, by the worries of this life, by the lure of wealth, and no fruit is produced. And the seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly who hear and understand God's word, and they produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as what has been planted. Now, here's the deal. If you really want God to work in you, and if you really want God to work through you, one of the questions we have to ask on the journey continually is this question. So what chokes out God's work in my life. Well, follow with me on the outline. I, I, I stood back for a second, and I and honestly, I thought about my own journey with God, and I thought about people that I've walked with and the things that I've watched in their life, and here are some of the things that I identified. This is not a, a, by any means a complete list, but here are some of the things that I identified that choke out God's work, and maybe you can identify with one or two of them. The first one is simply busyness. Simply busyness. Come on, it's just us. How many of you be honest enough to admit there have been times in your journey that you've just gotten so busy with other things, with other things that you really have neglected a bit, you know, reading God's word, asking God to speak to you, that kind of stuff. How many of you would be honest? Yeah, we do, even as pastors. This, this is crazy, but you know, sometimes in my journey, I've been so busy trying to be a pastor that I've forgotten just to be a child of God. And every once in a while, man, you just got to slow it down and say, that song we sang, Lord, I need you every hour. I need you. Busyness, busyness will choke it out. Uh, this may not fit for a lot of you, but I know for some of us it does, what I called enmeshed relationships. Enmeshed relationships. Just stay with me. Think about the relationships you've had in your life along the way. Have you ever had a relationship that so consumed you that that person in many ways kind of became like God to you. And maybe found that in this relationship that you were moving away from God, maybe it was, maybe it was a boyfriend, girlfriend, that kind of thing that, that kind of drew you down a direction that you know you shouldn't have gone. Or, or maybe it was uh, you know, wanting to be so much a part of the cool kids 
that you begin to compromise a little bit of your character, or, or maybe it's wanting to fit in at work or, or at school or wherever you are. You get so entrenched that these relationships begin to kind of choke God out. You ever been there? Some of us have. I have. How about misplaced priorities? Misplaced priorities. You know, if I were to just walk around them, do a poll for most of us who are Christ followers, and I would say, what are, what are the most important things in your life? I mean, I want your priorities. What are they? One, two, three, four. Almost, almost all of us would say, well, God is first, family second, you know, then work or school, and then everything else. And that, that would be kind of the list that most all of us say, but come on, look at me. But we don't always live that way, do we? I mean, sometimes we say God is first, and God's nowhere near first. We haven't paid attention to God in a long time. Or even we've said family is second. And we really have spent a lot more time addressing other things than really taking care of our family. Um, there are a lot of times that these things we call priorities get out of whack. And when I was thinking about it, I thought, man, there, there are times where we, we have to reshuffle because these priorities just get out of place. Worries and fears. Jesus said sometimes we become so consumed by the problems around us that we forget to lean into the God who says he's got us. Worry, look at me, worry is self-worship. Worry is self-worship. Think about that for a second. When I pray, I, I come to God and I, I, I talk to God and I take God my problems. Worry, worry is where I take my problems to me. As if I have the capacity to solve them. As if I have the capacity to worry is me ruminating over my, my problems over and over again, trying to come up with my own answers. And that's when I make myself God. And Jesus said, you know, when you get really caught in worry and fear, you just choke God out of your life. Let me give you one more. And I'm sure this doesn't fit for anyone in the room. But laziness. Laziness. All right, come on, we'll do it. How many of you, be honest enough to admit, there's at least a small streak of laziness in you? Yeah, now come on, hold them high, come on. I know it's hard to get that arm up there. You're too lazy to raise your arm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, and then we do, and I thought about the fact that, come on, sometimes we just go, you know what, I, I, don't, I, I don't really wanna take time to read the word. I don't really wanna take time to pray. I don't wanna take time to go to church or get in a group, and, and, and sometimes it's just, you know what, I just, I just wanna, Sit on the couch and veg for weeks at a time, hours at a time. COVID happens, months at a time. We get lazy, and every once in a while, we need to be aware of that. All of those things choke God's work out in our life. Now, I, I want to I talk today about, so what do we do with that? The, the weeds are going to happen so how do, we, how do we overcome that? Are you ready? Let me give you three thoughts and give them to you quick. Here's the first one. If you really want to not allow that stuff to be choked out, then you got to make this weeding a regular part of your worship. You need to take make weeding a regular part of your worship. Well, what do I mean by that? The perfect prayer is, is Psalm 139, verses 23 to 24. Read it out loud with me, church. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Did you get that prayer? 
I mean, that is so huge. The psalmist is saying, Lord, you know, you search me. In other words, you help me see in me what you see in me. Help me, help me see that. Test, test me. See what I'm all about. Help me, help me identify any weed in my life that's beginning to grow. Help me identify anything in my life that I'm, that I'm making room for that is not of you. Can you imagine if we made that kind of prayer, that kind of weeding, a daily part of our worship with God? You know, I put this statement on your outline. You know, the best time to pull weeds is when they first appear. Amen? And if we could do that daily, we could keep the weeds cleaned out. I saw a, uh, I saw a Facebook post by one of my friends, uh, Tim and Temple Miller, a couple that I went to college with, you know, seven years ago or more, and um, they, uh, they live in Indiana. Temple made a beautiful post on Thanksgiving Day. Listen to what she said. She said, on this Thanksgiving Day of 2020, I'm grateful for a car accident. This crash crunched my car into a total wreck, but God kept my husband, Tim, safe. Further, an unseen enemy was revealed the imaging studies of Tim's ribs taken after the crash revealed a large nodule on his thyroid. Last week, the doctor sent him for an ultrasound. We received the news that this growth is highly suspicious. And in two weeks, the doctor is going to do a biopsy. Had the wreck not occurred, we would have not known about the problem. We may not choose to undergo difficulties like the stress of a wreck and the insurance quagmire that goes with it, but looking at the big picture, the accident was heaven sent. No one was hurt, but it uncovered an enemy. This year has seemed like one big ongoing wreck for many people. However, if we look at the big picture, is it possible that an enemy was revealed? Did God allow the stresses of this year to uncover maybe a spirit of apathy? Have we been sitting in our comforts, not focused or working toward eternity? Maybe it's something for us to ponder. We would appreciate the prayers as we walk in this medical journey. Tim is a cancer survivor and a suspicious nodule, as you can well imagine, makes us feel uncomfortable. However, when we are walking in faith with our Savior, may God, we are walking in faith with our Savior, may God's perfect peace be done. And then she prays, we thank you, dear Lord, for your intervention into our lives. Even when we cannot understand the uncomfortable path, you are implementing your plan. And then she quotes 1 Thessalonians 5.18, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Now, when I read Temple's post, here's, here's what I thought of. Every once in a while, we wonder why God allows us to crash. Sometimes those crashes in our lives are about waking us up to things that we are ignoring. Does that make sense to you? That's why it's so important to hold up that mirror daily. Search me, O oh God. Know my heart. Are there any weeds getting in to the garden of my soul. Now, that connects me to the next thought. And that is, if you're going to do that, you've got to become rigorously honest. You've got to become rigorously honest. 
You ever notice how easy it is to lie to yourself? Everybody knows how easy it is to to fool yourself or want to fool yourself. <laughs> it was funny. I, I've been complaining to Wanda because I, I haven't been getting to the gym nearly as much as I want to. And I just came in toward the holidays. I'm thinking, I can't wait till the first of the year. If I, if I wait to the first of the year to try to really get my life under control physically, I'm going to be the size of three people. You know, so I, I need to deal with this now. And so I got to the gym yesterday. And, uh, and I was so excited this morning because I ate well yesterday and I got up this morning and I went to step on the scale. Yeah, have you ever tried to sneak up on the scales? <laughs> you ever done that? I got up to the scales, you know, you have to touch it to kind of get it set. And I touched it like that. And I'm thinking, you know, and I'm trying to like hold my weight up, you know, to get on. Yeah, but it tells you the truth. And, and you've got to be, you know, and it, it, you've got to be able to be rigorously honest to be able to know what you really need to do in your life. And that's not always easy. Um, throw that picture up on the screen for me. Anybody know what that is? How many dog people we have? Okay. Anybody know what kind of dog that is? Who said big one? <laughs> yes, yeah, there, there, there's a dog. Yeah, it's, it's called a Tibetan Mastiff. These, um, these things can get up to like 180 pounds. I mean, they get to like almost, I think, two and a half to three feet tall, and they, they get up to 180 pounds. The good news is uh, once they get full size, you can ride them to work. You know, that's kind of... But these things are, are, are just massive animals. Well, there is a, a woman named Su Fun that, and a Chinese gal that was um, on vacation in 2016, and uh, she saw pups for sale. She wanted to get one. Her and her husband had talked about having a big dog. And so she, she bought this uh, Tibetan Mastiff pup and brought it home. And she said immediately, she said, this thing began to eat like there was no tomorrow. I mean, again, these things have a voracious appetite. She said it, was, he said it would tear into a box. It would eat an entire box of fruit. Yeah, and then she started would give it noodles, and she said it would it'd go through two buckets uh, of noodles. And she said it just it started just growing and growing and growing and growing. And and again, they get big and they get started getting big in a hurry. You know, two years at two years of age, this thing is really really big. And they couldn't believe though they came in one day and this dog got to be two years old. They came in one day and the dog stood up on its hind legs, and they're like. Holy cow, we bought a circus dog, you know, this thing. But they couldn't believe it. But it was because it wasn't really a dog. Throw the next picture up. It was a bear. <laughs> what they thought she bought was a Tibetan Mastiff, but what she actually bought was an Asian black bear. Are you kidding me? <laughs> now, can you flip back to that other picture before, Josh? Can you, can you do that for me? I mean, you can see, I mean, you can kind of see how, how as a pup, those might get confused. Go back to the bear picture. But that was the pet now that she had. But here was the deal. Now her and her husband were attached to this bear. And it was like, it can't be a big deal to raise a bear as a pet, can it? Well, yes, it can. And they, they, called, they had called to have somebody come and find out what it was. And when they told him, they told him, you can't, this is illegal to possess one. And they ended up having to, but they wanted, they wanted to keep it a pet. But you know what? No matter how you long or how many times you call a bear a dog, it's still a bear. And it's going to act like a bear. 
And one day it will eat you. That's, that's just kind of the way bears do. Well, that's kind of what we're talking about this thing. We need to be rigorously honest. Because, come on, it's just a, sometimes there are things that we make room for in our life, and we really don't want to call it what it is. We say phrases like, it's not that big of a deal. Or, I'll get to that one day. Uh, or, you know what? Everybody's got weeds in their life. We, we, we do a lot of things, but the one thing that we have to do, if we're really going to not let this stuff choke it out, is we've got to be rigorously honest about what it is that it's made its way into our life so that we know how to deal with it. Does this make sense to you? I, I love what the Proverbs writer says in Proverbs 4.23. Read it with me, church. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Don't make room for things that shouldn't be there. Look at what Jesus said. This is so profound. Jesus said, you know what? Your eye is like the lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, you know what? Your whole body is filled with darkness. Now, I want you to read this last sentence with me, and I want you to let the profound nature of this really sink in. Read it with me. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. Let that sink in for a second. Jesus is saying, if you make room for this thing, and you think that this is okay with God, if you think that this is okay, you calling darkness light, that darkness becomes deep darkness in your life. That's why I put the statement on your outline and said, you know, just because you call a weed a flower, that doesn't make it safe for your garden. It surely doesn't. One more. Some weeds require radical measures of removal. Some weeds require radical measures of removal. There was a guy uh, in England named Ken, Ken Mould. And Ken decided one day that he was just done with yard work. Ever feel like that? <laughs> he just decided, I'm done. I'm tired. It's my yard. I can do what I want. And so he just decided he wasn't going to take care of his yard anymore. And um, here's what began to happen. Throw that picture up on the screen. You can see his house is there in the middle. And uh, things began to grow. Weeds began to grow up. Things began to... Yep, and, you know, of course, if you're a neighbor, I mean, all these houses look exactly the same. But, you know, his is like all of a sudden everybody's going, what's the deal? And the neighbors said, you know, that Kim was really eccentric. And, and he basically told his neighbors, I don't care what you think. I don't care if you like my yard or not. It's my yard. And I'm not going to do anything with it. And so finally, people had to call the authorities and say, hey, you know, get this guy. And so the authorities called Ken and they said, hey, neighbors are complaining. Take care of your yard. And Ken said, no. And so the yard continued to grow. Throw that next picture up on the screen. And here began what happened. His home got worse. More weeds popped up. The front got even deeper, and now neighbors are really complaining, and the authority said, you know, came out, looked at it, said, no, Ken, you've got to deal with this, and Ken, being the guy who was going to be that one, uh, said no, and then here's the next, throw that next picture up on the screen, and so now, 
This is what Ken's house looked like. Throw that next picture. This is kind of a side view. See that little opening? That's, where, that's, where, that's the entrance to the house. Get, get that next picture. That's a close-up. You got this little cubby hole that you can come out of because what's happened? The weeds have completely taken over this house. Then the authorities came out and said, okay, Ken, we're fining you $1,500, and we're going to fine you every single week until you get this stuff removed. Now, it's just us. By the time you get there, you're looking at more than just a weed whacker. Amen? You're looking at some serious removal. Now, here's what I want you to understand. For some of us, there are some weeds that we've allowed room for in our life that have taken deep root. They have become habits that aren't going to be easily shaken. They have become attitudes that aren't going to be easily set aside. They have become addictions to us. And it's going to take a little bit more than just a simple, yeah, I know it's there, I'll do better. Look at me, hear my heart. If you really want to be the man or woman of God he wants you to be, if you really do want him to do that work in you and through you, that really brings that 30, 60, and and, and 100-fold kind of return, sometimes it takes some radical measures. Sometimes it means getting some people to help you on that journey. Sometimes it means going through recovery. Sometimes it means getting brutally honest about things that you don't want to get honest about. You know, sometimes the addictions and things we develop, for some of us, they come out of some trauma in our life and some some pain that we've had that we've just never really dealt with. Look at me, and I know you don't want to go there. I didn't want to go there. But sometimes, sometimes you have to visit some of the hells you've had in your life to really grab hold of heaven the way God wants you to. Does that make sense to you? You know, Jesus said some radical stuff. He said, so if your hand or foot causes you to sin, cut it off. Throw it away. Because it's better to enter eternal life with only one hand or one foot than be thrown into eternal fire with both your hands and feet. And if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. Throw it away. It's better to enter eternal life with only one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into the fires of hell. And you read that and you go, Jesus, are you kidding me? And what Jesus is saying is, don't you understand some of this stuff that you're making room for in your life, it will take over your life. It will choke the very life out of you. It'll choke God out of you. And whatever it takes to deal with those kinds of weeds, you've got to be willing to do it. You know, I just want to close with this question today. What are you willing to do to have a life that is both pleasing and productive for God? What are you willing to do? If Jesus were to just sit with you for a second 
and say, I want to I talk to you about the weeds in your life. What weeds would he be referring to? Would you be willing to give them up? I hope that you would. But you just take just a moment, bow your head, close your eyes for me. And in just a moment, I want to I pray. And then after I pray, Rachel's going to lead us in a song. That's a song of surrender. But if you just bow your head and close your eyes. and I just wonder if you can be rigorously honest with me today. I wonder if you can be honest enough to just slip up a hand wherever you are to say, Pastor Steve, I've got some weeds that I know that are there. And I know I need God's help in getting rid of them. Wherever you are, just slip your hand up. Say, Pastor, that's me. Yeah, that's me. That's me. Yeah. Attitudes, habits, actions, whatever they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to pray for you. And I want you during, as we sing this song, to make that song your prayer as we surrender these things to God. Father, you saw every hand that was raised. You know every heart. We can't fool you, God. We try to fool ourselves. But we can't fool you. Your word's clear. God is not mocked. You see with clear eyes. You see with eyes of truth. You know the things that we've made room for in our lives, Lord, that shouldn't be there. You know the little weeds that we've allowed to grow. and Sometimes they're just little things, Lord, that, um, that don't seem like they're all that much. Then they grow bigger and their roots go deeper. And before long, we've got an issue that is hard to shake. For some of us, there are attitudes that we've developed For some of us, it's ways of thinking that we've allowed to occur. For others of us, Lord, they are habits that we've gotten into. And for some of us, Lord, quite honestly, they are addictions that have become like chains that we are finding a hard time to break. But we come to you. You're the master gardener. And we confess before you that there is no weed too strong that you can't pull it. And so this morning, Lord, we come. We're willing to do whatever we have to do, but what we know is we can't do this without you. And so, Lord, as we bear our heart before you, would you reach down into the garden of our life? Would you show us every weed that is there? And by with your gentle, strong hands, would you pull out every one? Would you make our garden of our, of our souls a beautiful place? Would you make our hearts a, a place where your seeds can fall and where your work can grow, where you can do something in us, where you can do something through us? Your word says that you, you want to do 30 times, 60 times, 100 times, and we can even begin to imagine But we've got to make our hearts the fertile soil which it can grow. So, Lord, today, here we are. We surrender to you. Have your way in us. Make our lives the garden that you control. In your precious name we pray. And everyone said, amen.